0: What's your price to exclusively dress like David Bowie for the rest of your life or to write and illustrate a dark children's book titled Funny Nuggets or to eat a magic jelly bean that turns you into a blue whale for one year? Let's find out.
1: It's time to play Human Values, your weekly stop for illogical debates about illogical questions. Here to give each hypothetical the dialectical, put the O oh, in comedy game show, and change your clothes if nobody knows. We're your hosts, Lindsay Hicks
0: and Aaron Rubin Corney.
1: Also joining us today is a very special guest, comedian, writer, and Second City main stage performer,
0: Claire McFadden.
1: <coughs> what are you doing?
0: I'm saying in whale, let's do this show. (laughs) Today,
1: we have writer, comedian, and as I see, persistent headphone wearer, Claire McFadden. Hello.
2: Hello. Thank you for noticing. How are you? I'm fantastic. I am wearing big headphones. They look
0: very professional. You're in Chicago, right, Claire?
2: I am. And if I could plug a business my dad owned in the 2000s. By all means. He used to sell audio equipment. So that's where I got these headphones.
1: Very nice. I just, I've never, I've never spent any time with you not wearing headphones since this is the time spent with you. That's right. So I'm just making judgments about you left and right. (laughs) And you're correct. So Claire, we know we're getting you late here, but you're a regular on the Second City Main Stage. So it sounds like you're a creature of the night.
2: Yes, that's when my brain begins to wake up. We are recording at the time of usually I'm on stage. At this point, pretending to be like a British cabbie, if threads of that come out.
0: Second City is known globally, I think, for churning out some of the best comedians that
2: we know and love today, right? Yes, it's got a lot going for it. There's like new shows all the time. A lot of good like comedy is still happening. And then they also have been around since 1969. A lot of famous people came through.
1: Does that create a weird pressure when you're there? Of like, oh, I have to make something of being on this stage because others did. Or do you just let it stay out of your mind? It's your own thing. You make it your own.
2: So right now, so for main stage, when you're waiting in line to get seated, you're walking past framed photographs of like Tina Fey when she was young and like Chris Farley and like Keegan Michael Key and stuff. So I think it really helps us because the audience sits down and they're like, we're going to see the future of comedy. It kind of gives you like a little leg up. Whereas if you're doing material in like a storefront theater, which I've done a ton of, you really have to win their love. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like
0: they come in being like, okay, this situation is
2: vetted We are on board. Uh, These people are going to be on The Office next year. And it's been canceled
1: (laughs) for a decade. So what's happening? Exactly. What do you have strong opinions about in the media content world?
2: I'm just the worst person to
1: ask. Overalls. Tell me about overalls. Tell me your thoughts on overalls. Where are your (laughs) thoughts on overalls?
2: Huge, huge yes to overalls.
1: Get me in. Bring me in. I have not had a lot of exposure to overalls. I've, I've, I've seen them. I haven't worn them. What works? What doesn't work?
2: So what works about overalls is that it doesn't matter what shirt you're wearing. The overalls is the piece. So you don't have to think. And what also feels really good about overalls is that you feel like a kid. So you can squat on the street and to look at a pebble and just feels like a natural extension of your outfit.
0: Wow. Like it comes with a little bit of personality. Yes. Do you ever get worried? And I hate to just go right into bathroom stuff. But do you ever get scared that you're going to drop a strap in the old potty?
2: Hmm, I don't. I'm trying to think about the physics of it. I think I take the overalls fully down before sitting. But I can see what you're saying. It could still dangle. It could still dangle.
0: Sometimes I get worried about the old potty ding. (laughs)
1: Lindsay, do you get pretty anxious about a splash?
0: Well, no, I get I'm more, I'm more concerned with the old, with the strap dip. That's my concern.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Well, (laughs) on the theme of dipping, should we dip into the game?
0: Yeah, let's dip on in.
1: Oh, look at that segue. Hello. Hello. All right, Claire. The way this works is it has nothing to do with overalls. So kind of, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to lean into that with us, but it's much more about overall concepts like what's your price to do certain things and what's the least amount you would accept to do it rather than just pay me gobs of money we all want gobs of money we all want a gazillion dollars but if that sounds good to you
2: that sounds fantastic
1: we can just dive right on into this moon age daydream
0: oh okay great
1: you see that it was a little bowie
0: i did i liked it claire aaron Lindsay, Lindsay, aaron claire guys
2: claire David Bowie. Rob.
0: What's your price to exclusively dress like David Bowie for the rest
2: of your life? Do I have to source and purchase all of the clothing?
1: Let's presume that you will have a Bowie butler. And by that, I mean, they will every day show up at your home, (gasps) your Bowie butler. And you have to wear what they bring you. And it'll be from the archives of Bowie's clothing, or it'll be exact replications of it. Every day you have to wear it. Every day you return it. Hmm. But you can never wear anything else other than Bowie clothing. And you can't make requests.
2: You can't make requests.
1: Do we agree to these terms?
2: I mean, it's your show. But my price is going up.
1: (laughs) You're the guest in our home today, so if you're hungry for a different dish, we'll serve it up different.
2: Do they know what I'm doing that day? Like, if it was my wedding day, would the Bowie Butler be informed?
1: There's a chance that you're going to dress like a 1940 sailor at your own wedding.
2: Badass. Yeah, that one doesn't sound that bad, but, like, dressing like a 1940 sailor just on a day where you're, like, maybe needing to, like,
1: <laughs> go to court or something you're definitely going to court in the labyrinth outfit
2: so that now we've introduced a whole new i mean this is like huge so there's a person are they vindictive
1: i already answered one question one of you two answer this
2: part. well
0: here's <laughs> the thing about the bowie the bowie butler it's you know whatever you want to make it like you can your relationship depends entirely on you and how you communicate with your bowie butler i will say i love a suit but Sometimes I want to wear a girly outfit. I want to wear a dress. I want to wear a pair of heels. And David Bowie wore a lot of suits. I mean, obviously he had his like performance clothes, but he also dressed like a dude a lot. Mm -hmm. And would they be tailored to fit me exactly? Some of these suits I would look phenomenal in.
1: What if your Bowie Butler carried around a blank checkbook? And the Bowie butler could accompany you when you wanted to shop as long as you were buying what is in the the Bowie zeitgeist. So, like, if you want to go thrifting for Bowie kind of clothing, mm. they're they're with you to not just pay for it, but they will not pay for it if it doesn't fall into the Bowie catalog. Yeah. Because it's such a wide catalog. So, if you see a really nice cuffy shirt. They'll say, yeah, you know, Bowie definitely wore that April 4th, 1978 hmm. on tour. So you can do that. So you can thrift a bunch with it, too.
0: I like them being coming to me with options, if that's, I'm honest. That's I really thing. like the true. You like, but that like better? If I'm going to have this happen, I don't know. I'm never going shopping again. You don't want to have to look for it. No, exactly. No, 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 no.
2: Like, I will shop for my own, you know, undergarments and things like that. Do you guys remember, like, I think it was at the beginning of that Disney Channel movie where... Lindsay Lohan, like, lives in Manhattan, and she and her friends have some sort of, like, spy mission. The first scene is she's waking up in bed, and then she basically does what is early FaceTime. Like, she FaceTimes her friend, and they talk about their outfits, and they're, like, digitally rendered outfits. And then the closet. You know what? I might be combining seven different movies.
1: Clueless?
2: No, it's Lindsay. It's called, like, it's not called Our Lips Are Sealed. That was a Hillary and Haley Duff (laughs) (laughs) Covered that was also on Disney Channel. I've gotten far away from my point. My point is that in the past, they envisioned a future in which there would be like a digital catalog of a closet and then your closet, you'd select what you wanted and it would like spit it out. Yeah. I think something like that with Bowie wardrobe would be the ideal because then you could kind of like make some choices and then you just get it versus having to like go on eBay and try to find a suit that looks like a suit that Bowie wore. You know, that's too much work. So
1: you're saying every every evening, maybe it's once every Sunday, mm. you have to, it's like a meal plan. You order your seven outfits for the coming week and the Bowie butler brings them to you and you can only order out of the catalog of Bowie outfits.
2: This is what I think would be my preferred method.
1: This sounds great. Another question, then back at you. Can you wear the same thing twice, or is there a rule that you can only wear any item once from the collection?
2: Oh, God. You have to wear things twice. I think you'd have to wear
0: things multiple times. To- I mean, if this is yeah, the rest of our life, every day for the rest of your life, you're going to have to rewear items.
1: Why? Bowie probably wore something new every day.
2: No, no he was, no. I mean, people are people.
0: First of
1: all, Claire. I know people are people, okay?
2: (laughs) You're acting like you don't.
1: (gasps) Well, I do that a lot. All right, you guys are right. Fine. I'm sure he wore a pant multiple times.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he had like a particular white button up that he wore. I mean, I think if you, I, I don't know any mega famous celebrities, but I imagine that if you didn't have somewhat of like a capsule wardrobe that you returned to, it would be hard to keep track of like who you were to some degree especially if you're traveling a lot i
1: used to work with a guy who only wore black he like had black t-shirts black je- denim jeans black boots and his whole closet was that and he just wanted to remove that as a factor
2: zooming out that's the pro here of this one that's actually an appeal is like your options become so limited you don't have to think as much you can't wear what's trendy you have to wear what Bowie wore. So that kind of like takes a mental component out of your daily life. For sure.
0: And also, are you getting like costumes from all of his movies? Like anything, basically anything that ever he wore that touched his body, you're getting? I think so. And it's all tailored to fit you, right? Not David Bowie, because I feel like he he yeah. was a very yeah, yeah. tall man.
2: It would fit you the way it fits Bowie. So if it was like a tight suit, it would be made to be tight for you.
0: Guys, I got to say, David Bowie is one of the most fashionable people in history. And to be able to like to choose from his closet every day is one of the coolest things I've ever heard of in my life. Like, I kind of revere David Bowie, and I think that his style changed the world. I think that his music changed the world and had an influence on so many people. Everything he did artistically had an effect. It reverberated through time and space, and I think everything he has done was so special. A legend. To be able to choose from his closet to, like, For someone to have that, I think they would pay lots and lots and lots of money to be able to do that. My fee for this is very low. If on my wedding day, I have to wear something from David, whatever, it's fine by me.
1: You'd wear the Ziggy Stardust eye patch to your wedding?
0: Well, I get to pick what I wear from his closet. And I want to know. Would I wear the eye patch? Probably not.
1: Wow, Claire was right. I do not know that people are people.
2: (laughs) Okay, this is an interesting turn of events.
1: Why? Because we're all about to pay. We're all about to pay for this.
2: Well, just how excited Lindsay is about this one. I loved him. I think it's cool, but it's also such, not to sound like a libertarian, but it's (laughs) impinging on your freedoms for the rest of your life every single day. So like, even if it's a good thing, I need to get paid Mm. for that because I'm giving up like a one of the main choices you make every day. I guess you're still making a choice.
1: Well, but you're also stuck between like late 50s fashion through early aughts. And that's kind of the range. It's like that plus piracy.
2: And we have to consider the fact that, especially if you're wearing iconic outfits, every single day, people are going to come up to you and talk to you about David Bowie and say, oh, you dress like David Bowie.
0: Which is the highest compliment available. You would want to have a conversation about David Bowie every single day. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. He also like, yes, he wore a lot of iconic stuff that's like old, like the blue suit. But he also wore just like very like neutrals and suits and jeans and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. weren't you
1: guys saying that? Like he just dressed like a person. Yeah. I people mean, are people.
0: Like I could pick costume days, big, crazy costume days for days when that's appropriate, a party or just to go to the grocery store and cause a bit of a stir.
1: I'm just imagining you entering the grocery store with your cart, just walking in there, looking around, just say, all right, who wants some? Just ready. Yeah. I don't know what you're offering some of.
2: I don't think the hosts know this, but when I first moved to Chicago, I worked at the Museum of Contemporary Art when they hired a bunch of staff because there was a David Bowie exhibit and people were pouring in, like people were flying into Chicago to go to this David Bowie exhibit. So I did have conversations about David Bowie every single day. And I'm going to tell you, you get tired of it after about 12 days.
0: Well, I think any conversation about the same thing over and over and over again gets annoying. Exactly.
2: Yes. But you're saying you would just wear the most basic Bowie outfit for a lot of the days to not be stuck in those conversations.
0: Yeah, most of the days... I would just wear the regular stuff. But then, of course, I would pull out the wild things here and there. I also would style it differently. Like, I don't have, you know, his hair. I, won't, I wouldn't do his makeup. Like, I would be styling these things in a way that made sense for me.
2: The good thing about David Bowie's outfits are that it really, you can look good. Even if, if you're like, oh, I'm a, I dress femme. Or if you dress masculine, like, you can find stuff in what David Bowie wore. I'm sure he even wore dresses sometimes. A couple. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did you know that he and Mick Jagger dated
2: secretly for a bit? I'll tell you what. I worked at a Bowie exhibit, so I heard it
0: all. (laughs) Wait, what are like the, what's the hottest goss on David Bowie that we might not know?
2: Ugh, the hottest goss is this. I didn't know there were going to be timed tickets. And my family and I flew in from Boston. And now you're telling me I can't see the David Bowie exhibit? Oh, wow. That sounds like a terrible thing to hear. That's fair. Yeah.
1: That's fair. Bad goss. Well, speaking of bad goss, maybe we squeeze this bottle of sauce of money. I don't know what the transition is. How much? Uh, what are you guys thinking?
2: How much? What's your price? I was really liking that.
1: I can try it again. I I get to I back would to take one. take it again. All right. Back to one. And. Speaking of uh, hot goss, if you want to grab that uh, bottle, a little toss and turn on over and pour out that sauce, we got a little hot goss sauce. Uh, speaking of goss, what's your price? What's your price to bow it up?
2: Um, happy now? Yeah, I'm neutral. I think, and I might be wrong, but I think it would. I would need to be paid four hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars.
1: Ooh, why not five?
2: Because I did I already in my head thought five and then I thought, would you do it for four ninety? Yep. Would you do it for four eighty five? Yep. You know, like I tried to talk myself down and then I was like, I'm not that would be how much I would need.
1: I get that. I get that.
2: I have a problem.
0: My problem is I don't have enough room in my apartment for all of these clothing. Bowie
2: Butler.
1: Lindsay, it's all about Bobut.
0: Okay. Well, if I don't have to store anything. Zero dollars. Really? If I have to store nothing and somebody comes and brings me clothes every day, I never have to shop for clothes again. Yeah, zero dollars.
1: I actually I'm gonna join Lindsay and I want you to know, Claire, this has never happened on the show. We've never, ever, ever. We've said there's no amount of money to make us do something, but we've never said we would do it for free. But I would do that for free also.
2: I would do it for free. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: But I also am a huge David Bowie fan. Same. It's very real for me.
1: Lindsay, you would thrive with a bow butt.
0: I always tell people that. And sometimes it's inappropriate. So yeah, for free. First time I've never said anything I would do for free before on the show. Ever. Wow. This is the first one that I'm like, that sounds amazing.
1: I feel like what happens though is now you and I are going to be dressed up like Ziggy Stardust walking down the street. We're going to walk by Claire and she's just got... Nearly half a million dollars and is getting the same thing we've got.
2: Exactly. <laughs> I'll also be dressed like Ziggy Stardust. I'll just be, I'll buy you dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Claire,
1: don't know if you know this, but we actually run a poll for our listeners. So the high from our audience was $5 million. Wow.
0: Wow. That's a lot.
1: It is. The low is 10000 9% said there's no amount of money to do this.
2: Oh, wow.
1: 12% were over a million. One person said $50,000 and said, quote, Does this mean in styles inspired by Bowie, such as can I have a little freedom with it? Or does it specifically need to be outfits Bowie wore in the past? Either way, I'm down. It would be a fun quirk to have. Plus, he wore suits and stuff sometimes if I ever need to be at a formal event. Interesting. There was a lot of people when we pulled that seemed to like think they'd have a magic wardrobe.
2: Mm, Little did they know about the digital catalog and the Bowie butler. They haven't seen that Lindsay Lohan movie from the Disney Channel. So they didn't know.
1: Disney Channel really did a lot for our childhood. It was really good.
2: Speaking of
0: Disney Channel and our childhoods, let me ask you this: What's your price to write and illustrate a dark children's book titled "Funny Nuggets"? Hmm. Funny Nuggets.
1: Is this like a dark fable, like a Grimm's fairy tale fable?
0: Probably, yeah.
1: Or is this more like a Coraline?
0: Well, I guess it's whatever you want it to be. It's your you can make it whatever you want. I'm assuming. Yeah, you're the author. You're the author and illustrator. I guess here's my question. Does it matter if it's bad? It doesn't matter if like, can it be long, (laughs) short? Like there's not a lot of parameters in here. Like, can you write
2: a 10 page book? Here's my question. Where's the bar? I feel like it's getting published. The question is not just how much to do it. So if it's being, mm. for me, the main consideration is if it's being published with me as the author and illustrator, right. then I would want it to be at a certain level of good.
1: Yep. Yeah. That adds stakes. I think that's a definitive.
2: But if you didn't care at all, then yeah, you could dash off in 45 minutes and publish it. If, But then it would be out in the world as your book.
0: Yeah. I mean, if something's going to have my name on it and I can't put on there like Funny Nuggets by... Barbara Snaps. Like, yeah. I, if I have to put my name on it, then that changes everything. Though, Barbara Mackinsnaps... Liking it. <laughs> ...might be my new children's author,
2: Num de plume.
1: What's the best way to break this out? Should the three of us come up with a concept together, or should we each pitch each other
2: Mm, Like what we would write.
1: Do we want to collaborate and kind of, you know, telephone this? Or do we each pitch each other Mm. a dark children's book story called Funny Nuggets?
0: I'm ready to pitch mine. I think I'm ready. Okay. Would you like for me to go first?
1: Nothing I like better.
0: Okay. Funny Nuggets. It's a story about a fast food restaurant. And every day a packet of nuggets gets served and they have to make the person laugh so hard that they can't eat them. So these nuggets come out and they're sitting on the tray and the person takes them to their table and then they pop out of the packet and they start telling nugget jokes and they are hilarious. And sometimes the people don't eat them, but sometimes their jokes aren't good enough and they get eaten and they
2: die. So the nugget, the dark element is that the nuggets are kind of performing for their life.
0: Yes, that's the dark element.
2: Okay.
1: Wow. Lindsay, do you want to popcorn the next person? You choose who goes next?
0: Yeah, Aaron, you next.
1: I'm the popcorn?
0: You've been popcorned. You're the colonel. Triggering, because I just watched the Elvis movie.
1: All right. Funny Nuggets. A cautionary tale of adolescent aspiration.
2: Mm.
1: Funny Nuggets tells the story of a young girl named...
2: Barbara Mackensnaps.
1: Barbara Mack And Barbara is an orphan. She's 10 years old and she's at an orphanage. And every day the cafeteria person in the orphanage brings, you know, brings out food. And once a week, these nuggets come out as like a dish that's there. And Barbara always wants the nuggets, but the bullies always pick on her and take her nuggets. And that's what she lives for. She then one day learns that by being funny she can win them over, do a little comedy shtick, and they'll share the nuggets with her. So she starts to learn how to win people over with her comedy, and that just because she won these nuggets, that's what framed her. And it's this really interesting biopic of uh, this woman's rise in the comedy scene becoming a really famous comedian, and looking back on how it all came from a fear perspective, and anxiety of wanting to get what she wanted. And so the inner child always wants... To win the funny nuggets, and that that's the foundation, and it's a cautionary story of letting your inner child guide too much of your anxiety, despite your success.
2: Hmm. I see a lot of parallels between your two stories. Performing for your life, pet mentality—you both set up very long books that you have to do, which I think is admirable.
1: It's admirable that you presume that we would have fleshed out stories in the middle.
2: <laughs> I see. Let me tell you about Funny Nuggets, the dark children's book. In Funny Nuggets, it is narrated by a chicken who is about to be executed to become Nuggets. And it's him reflecting on his life and sort of serving up life lessons or Nuggets, as it were. I think each time he tells a nugget, it sort of like punches a nugget out of his body. So by the end, he's just like a spine and some eyeballs. And then you sort of watch that get churned up and turned into (laughs) the pink goo. So something like that, I think.
0: Wow. That is dark
2: and lovely.
1: That is. I'm going to ask a follow-up to each of you. I don't have an answer ready. Who's reading the Audible version of your book?
2: Probably Michelle Obama. Yeah, that's a really good one.
0: I think mine would be Tiffany Haddish.
2: Mm, that is good.
1: I'm going to go with Sandra Oh.
2: Really good. We've picked a legion of illustrious women.
1: It's really the stars of the next Charlie's Angels.
2: Would love to see that. I
0: also want to see whatever piece of content that is with the three of them. Need it. Gonna need that.
1: Why has Charlize Theron not gone out and pitched Charlize's Angels and it's like her
0: behind the desk? It's hard to pick up a franchise. Mm, This isn't going to be an easy task, but I feel like it might be kind of fun. I just like as a person like writing and illustrating, I would have to learn how to illustrate because I'm not an illustrator. It wouldn't be easy. I'm assuming I'm just going to write all this and pass it off to a publisher. Like I won't have to do any of that work. Well, you won't have to like bind and print like a little elf. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I'm no elf.
1: No, your your book is going out to uh, Scholastic or Penguin right, House, you know, right, some right. YA publisher.
0: So here's the thing. People get paid, I think, a decent amount of money to do stuff like this. So I don't want to get taken for a ride by Scholastic. I want to make sure that I'm that I'm coming up with a fee that reflects my great idea, my funny nuggets. Do I get a percentage of sales?
2: I think you do.
1: I think including it in makes a lot of sense. It's like, here's the dough if you write, illustrate it, and it's published and you're done.
2: I did look up the industry standard for an advance on a children's book, writing and illustrating. What is it? So the advance, so that's, I'm pretty sure the way advances work is you get money up front, but then you get a percentage of sales, but only after the advance amount would have been paid out via percentage of sales. Is that right?
1: You could say anything in the way you're saying it, and we'll think you're right.
2: That's the lawyer voice. OK, so it's basically I found a website that said, like between six and twelve thousand dollars would be like a standard advance on, I think if you're not already like shell silver scene, obviously, but for someone starting out, between six to 12 K.
0: This book is going to take time to write, and I have a day job. And if I'm going to say to my boss, "I gotta do this thing." he's gonna be like, well then you're taking the month off and you're not getting paid for the month that you're away. So I'm gonna wanna make sure that like I'm getting enough money to get that month off and then also to like for like the
2: comfort of having to like of that of all of that. Yeah, I think you're you're Mike, well I guess if you want to make it really good because your name is on it, I think you could pull off a book that you're just writing in your spare time and you wouldn't have to really learn to illustrate. You could do like potato stamps for the nuggets. Like your book has the nuggets telling jokes. So really, you just need to like draw rudimentary shapes and then write some funny nugget jokes.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm kind of seeing the stars align for me a little bit. That (laughs) maybe this is my path.
2: Yes, yes, your path forward.
0: Maybe this is what I was always meant to do is write funny nuggets so I want to, like, put all of my time and energy into it. I don't want this to be I work all day and then I'm tired and I'm walking into Like, I mm. want to wake up every morning and being like, I'm a book bitch for one month.
1: You want to do funny nuggets and you want to do it right.
0: I want to do it right. I want to do a really good job. And I want it to be very, very successful because I recently saw some images of Dr. Seuss's home <laughs> and that shit slaps. Truly one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen.
2: I'm going to look that up.
0: And and he wasn't even a medical doctor, and he's still at a house like that.
2: He's probably the best-selling children's author, maybe next to J.K. Rowling, to ever live. Is that kind of where you see funny nuggets going? Yeah,
0: honestly, yes.
1: You know who did children's books dark nicely was Roald Dahl.
2: Yeah, the witches. I think Roald Dahl and Dr. Seuss, and please let the estates not sue me for defamation of character. I believe they were both associated with the Nazis.
0: Yeah, I think there was definitely some some actual dark shit
2: going on. Wait, Roald Dahl? he was a spy for the other side, but he did racist things.
1: Roald Dahl was a spy for the UK government in America. He, Ian Fleming, and a few others were sent as the first group of like MI6 undercover agents to America during World War II. And they lived here and he actually cavorted a lot with like a lot of politicians in DC. And his whole job was just to push pro-war involvement propaganda in the U.S. So he started, I'm not kidding. He started writing lots of papers for news, like a newspaper. He started writing lots of op-eds about being like uh, an aviation war hero in World War I and like talking about World War II and like really glorifying wartime stuff to get Americans interested in it. So only after World War II, when he was done being a secret undercover agent in America, did he then become a children's author because of his newspaper articles making him a household name. Wow.
2: Thank you. Didn't see that coming.
1: I love talking about Roald Dahl's life. Sorry.
2: But he did have some nefarious stuff going on, right?
1: He also hated children and was a really grumpy person, apparently. Yeah. So to get to do this, I don't know about you guys, but to me, it's not that bad. It's I, I feel like I would take a year off, really focus on that. But hold on, not the year off only, but actually, I wouldn't take the year off. I'd probably multitask it with my own life and things. What's with your chopping like all the way to the floor? What's wrong with me? What? A year off
2: to write a children's book?
1: First of all, your expression already changed my opinion, so you're already watching me back off. I
2: know, within the- <laughs> you've
1: lived it. <laughs> so, first of all, you're winning. No, I I mean, maybe not a year off. I feel like over the course of a year, I would do that on top of normal life things, just kind of pull back on normal. I don't know. I would just juggle that in the mix. Eh, like. Yeah. Entirely do it and know it would go out there. I'd want to like negotiate the rights for television and film adaptations, but just be paid for the book itself, knowing it would be your best possible work,
0: like half a million dollars.
2: Wow. This is shocking me to my core.
0: You're asking for a half a million dollars?
1: I'm also presuming I'm getting a movie off of it. So let's all just.
2: I bet you that like Judy Bloom didn't even make half a million dollars off of Are You There Goddess Me, Margaret.
1: Well, I'll teach her a thing or two about how to (laughs) write a book.
0: I would like just to write and do the book for the month. I want $10,000. But then, and here's where it gets tricky, is I would also like 30% of the net. Wow.
1: But we agreed that you don't, this is just to do the book, you're flat. If you get the book done, what you get paid.
0: I don't like that. I want 30% of the net.
1: I would argue with you, but this is all arbitrary rules.
2: Except I will, from what I know of the publishing industry, which I didn't work at a publishing exhibit at the MCA, but I do believe that when you buy a book in a bookstore, the author is getting like less than a percent of the book sales. So you getting 30% would be like industry shattering record of like author power.
0: Yeah, and here's something I'm going to do. I'm going to switch it to 30% of the gross.
1: So clearly, Lindsay and I have very realistic perceptions of our careers as children's literary authors. What are you thinking?
2: Okay, so I have two numbers, I guess, similar to Lindsay, but just to do it, I guess we already said it would be published. But just to do it, if someone was like, I'll pay you to do this $500, I would do it for fun. So, but then I would want them to pay me something and then in order to like for the more standard publishing deal i would just say like 6k i'd like to say the higher end of the like industry standard but if you offered me less i would accept it <laughs> because i think it'd be a fun thing
1: so if the book was a hit
2: if the book was a hit i mean i don't like the idea of like other people profiting massively off of my endeavor but i also know that it's so random what what is a hit and it probably wouldn't be so i would take a small sum of money to do a fun project.
1: Fair enough. It's interesting to see how differently we each approach it.
2: <laughs> like the way you said that. It's interesting. It's interesting to see how people approach things. People are people. Let's see
1: what the audience had to say. All right. The high was $100,000. The low from Ponriel was $0. Ponriel knows that they want to write this book, I guess. They have a book in them. 36% of our audience was under $10,000. Lake here put 60000 said, quote, in another life I absolutely would have written in illustrated children's books. Title makes no difference. Lake is confident that Funny Nuggets is going to work. Interesting. Wow. Well, that is a big question to ask.
0: And speaking of big things, what's your price to eat a magic jelly bean that turns you into a blue
2: whale for one year? Well, right off the bat, Let me just say, I would want to do this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You want to be a giant well?
2: Yes. If it was like anywhere from one week to a month or an hour to a month, I would pay like a lot of money to do it. The one thing that kind of stops me up is the year, losing a whole year of your human life. We don't have that many years and I'm in my prime.
0: Yeah, it's tough to check out of the prime. That's a really big deal.
2: What if somebody died? Somebody you're close to died within that year. And then you came back and you're like, I never said goodbye.
1: Cause I was a whale.
2: But also think about all the whale relationships you'll make. And then you abandon them. I already thought about this. You might have a kid as a whale.
1: I was also going to bring this up. Can we talk about whale procreation?
2: We may. Any day of the week.
1: And, you know, they have the biggest babies of any animal on earth
2: and you it germinates for really like their gestation period i think is longer actually it might be more than a year so maybe you would only be carrying
0: what if you become a human again and then you have to give birth as a human to a whale
2: no i mean that's a you could it would have split your body open
1: (laughs) it says 10 to 12 months
2: yeah but this is all magic jelly bean
1: don't push the jelly bean rules Lindsay.
0: Oh, I'm pushing the jelly bean. You're pregnant like a regular. You look like you're regular pregnant. And then out comes a magic fucking whale. And then everyone's like, what do we do with this whale? So you have to take it out to the ocean. But then you have a, an orphan whale, but you, don't, you also are deeply attached to your whale baby and you know how whales live. So then you have to like live scuba life, trying to take care of your whale baby. And where do you get whale milk from? That's what I want to know. How do you milk a whale?
2: Well, you are the mom, so I think you would be breastfeeding whale milk.
0: Oh, yeah. You have to breastfeed a
2: whale?
1: Do you have to take a boat out in the water and just lean over? I
2: don't consent to Lindsay's version of this one.
1: Lindsay, are you just imagining you lean over the boat and dip? part of yourself into the water for the whale. Oh no, I'm
2: swimming with this little
0: baby. I'm going to hold it like a true, my true. It's not a little baby. It's like a massive
1: giant creature latched onto your chest. They're
0: sweet. It's not like they're violent. It's a baby,
2: man.
1: So first of all, gestation period is 10 to 12 months. So you can only get freaky with other whales for two months.
2: And I don't want to spend my entire year pregnant. I also don't, but also you never know how horny
0: whales like when you're in that whale body you may be like I need to get whale boned immediately
2: (laughs) I believe and I'm not I'm not pulling this off of (laughs) in my head I have it that a young whale like a blue whale gains 200 pounds a day (laughs) okay
1: from krill you're just eating 200 pounds of krill
2: well I think when you're when you're a calf you're drinking your mom's milk Or in this case, drinking Lindsay's milk from her human nipple.
1: (laughs) I've never in my life imagined Lindsay in the ocean, wading in the water, head above water. And just like the camera pans down, you just see a massive whale.
0: Suckling at the teat of me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so taking pregnancy (laughs) off, out for now. Let's say it could happen.
1: We're not talking whale suckling. (laughs) (laughs)
2: taking breastfeeding out of the equation just at this moment. The question I have, as the whale, do you have your human, what is the brain situation? Do you know your name is Aaron and that you used to live in Los Angeles and that now you're a whale?
1: First of all, how'd you know my life story?
2: (laughs) Well, the magic
0: jelly bean's already working. (laughs) I think you know that you're a person, but you also have whale intuition Mm -hmm. and needs. You want to have sex
1: with a whale. As a whale. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But also it's not just sex stuff. It's like you have to know what to eat and like where to go. You're following ocean patterns. You know, you know where your pod, I guess you would call it, is. You know how to speak whale sounds. You can communicate with other whales. Like you have all of that intuition built in, but mostly the sex stuff.
1: I'm reading here that the sexual maturity age of a whale is five to ten years old. So I do want you to know that should you decide to become a whale and engage in whale relations, you would be performing statutory rape upon an endangered species
0: Hmm. wait would i be would i be my age as a whale
2: no
1: i mean whales live about as long as people so it could just scale equally
2: but we know it doesn't scale because of the sexual maturity thing (laughs) wait wait wait
0: am i like entering a body of an existing whale or am i going to be a new whale
1: you eat the jelly bean, you wait in the water, and you wait to turn into a whale. And now it's Lindsay the whale, and you're out there flopping about, being happy, you do your little dives.
2: It's you. And so your human body does not, like, exist on land. You became the whale, and then you'll transform back into a human.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your body was you, and then it's
2: the whale, and you're all one together. So should you die as a whale at sea, you're dead.
1: Oh, fuck. Fuck. By the way, Lindsay, that's the main feeder of deep sea ecologies is it's called a whale fall. When a whale dies, it sinks to the bottom. And that's what everything eats for a long time down there.
2: Okay, well. And I have to tell you that blue whales are generally loners, rarely if ever forming pods.
0: Oh, that sucks. Being alone for a year with a human brain in a dark. I also hear something about me. I'm a little bit afraid of the ocean. Oh, that's
2: critical.
1: But the only things you have to fear is like humans and giant squids, I think.
2: Well, a whale would encounter a giant squid potentially. It's true. But also
0: the the oceans are very toxic now. You don't really know what you're getting. What if I go to take a bite of krill and I suddenly am getting a tire. You know what I mean? I'm getting a barrel full of yeah, full of like some sort of toxic liquid. Bears. Yeah,
2: a barrel full of bears. You're getting a barrel full of sludge that was just floating in a big group of krill.
1: Well, the other issue is time, right? It's like are you going to have to commission before you eat your jelly bean a well fin sized wristwatch so that you know the date so when it's been a year you are coming back onto the shore. Oh. And also those poor people are like hanging out at the beach and they see a giant whale well beach itself and then they're trying to rescue you. And then all of a sudden you return to your naked self flopping the water and they're very confused.
0: No, no, the bean knows. But also what if you're super deep in the water and the, you
1: did don't you say know? the bean knows? Yes. I've never heard you say anything so definitively.
2: Here's what I think you would do. First of all, hard to keep track of time as a whale. You would just have to intuit seasons. But I think you would because whales, like they migrate really, really far. So I think then around the time, let's say within a month of when you think you would transform back, you would want to get yourself to like Hawaii and just be like, I'm not going to feed on a krill. Like you could go a couple of weeks without eating, maybe, I don't know. But basically kind of like chill out in shallower water so that when you become a human, you don't immediately die from like your lungs combusting cuz you're so deep underwater.
0: Yeah, you have to really keep that in mind. Or like you know in the early days you're like, "All right, this is my deep time. Yeah. That could be really fun." But I don't know how deep a blue whale even goes.
2: I think it can go very deep. 500 meters. It's very deep.
0: But Oh my God. Imagine leaving your baby because if you had a baby, it was just born. And then you're like, I'm sorry. I was, it was a lie the whole time.
2: Well, and your baby would die.
0: For sure. It would die. Especially if you're not in a pod. Guys, I have a number. Do you want to tell us?
1: $10 million. Let me explain. 5 million of that at least is just my base price of A year, the risks of maybe dying at sea. It's a dangerous place. Yeah, And you guys are right. There's all sorts of reasons from climate issues to toxicity of the waters to poachers to you name it. The other five is a Aaron Corney Whale Foundation that I want to start. And what I want to do is I want to find a nice climate stable area. I don't know, maybe somewhere in the Caribbean. And I want to have $5 million go into like an entire team that has a segmented safe zone for me to spend my year as a whale. Oh. So that way it keeps predators out. It's it's like underwater gates and things. Like I want it to be massive. Like I want to like, co- like commission from some local government 10 square miles of ocean water.
2: Oh my God.
1: And it's just my own sea world for me. And maybe Lindsay's version could have conjugal aquatic (laughs) visitors but i would just have my friends come swim with me i would have wow you know the whole the whole nine yards and the five million would just fund the technology and the security and the equipment and the staff biologists to check ph levels of the water make sure i'm safe and it would just be to keep me safe and let me live comfortably in that and five million should probably cover that there you go
2: wow i thought it was going to be benevolent like You were like, if I'm going to take this risk, I want to start a foundation to help whales generally. But really, this is the equivalent of a billionaire creating like a safe zone in Alaska that has like really high walls. And then you're like, I hope poor people don't bother me. That's right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I want to be safe as a whale.
2: I think as a calf, you have something to worry about. But as like an adult, you don't have predators. And like if a motorboat or like a cruise ship, like you can... You're not like a manatee that's basically like a pillow getting ripped up by boats. Like you're a blue whale. You're the king.
1: Two things. One, anytime a woman tells me I'm not a manatee, I feel better about myself. So thank you for that. Number two, (laughs) Lindsay's Deep in Research. It's on her face. You are going deep.
0: Guys,
2: orcas can eat blue whales. Well, they'd have to try so hard.
1: It's true. Uh, So I'm going to redact one thing. For my $5 million, the other thing I would use it for if, if Claire had a lot of issues with this and was stopping me and saying, save, save the money, I would probably just get like a tactical, like deep sea retired Navy SEAL SWAT team to just boat with me everywhere. And I just want to be able to like, if a shark's coming by or a great will, I want them to kill it. I just want a team around me to protect me.
2: Oh my God. As
1: I cruise the waters.
2: And with all of that, you're still like, I need $5 million just for taking the risk, even though you've mitigated so many risks.
1: mitigated many risks, but also I'm missing a year of my life. It's going to be emotionally traumatic. Something could happen. I could lose somebody. Uh, I could die out there. So many th- There could be people that want to kill the jelly bean man.
2: Is this unique that we're getting this experience? Or is this offered to many people?
1: The three of us are being offered these magic beans for money.
2: Okay. Because then, I mean, there's book deals for the rest of your life. You can be a consultant. You can give speeches, keynote addresses.
1: We can also hang out, by the way. We're all whales. Like you and I can just watch Lindsay. Fuck. Really compromise her values with other whales and just talk about it in the whale. Yeah. Like we could gossip about like what whales Lindsay's hooking up with behind her back.
2: Blue whale voices go really, really far.
1: So she'd hear us.
2: Ooh. Yeah, but she that might be part of the allure for her to be seen. The Whisper of
0: a Whale. That's going to be the name of my book. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You can write literotica about your experience as a whale.
0: Whale erotic Anyway, like I said, I'm really, really afraid of the water. And I am afraid of orcas now, apparently. And <laughs> also just like the deep sea is very, very scary to me and the open water. But also captivity is even more terrifying to me than the open sea. Hmm. Also, the water is very, very toxic right now. There's also a lot of whale hunters. You have to make sure you don't veer into the wrong part of the ocean. Mm. So like, there's a lot of hazards. So I would really want someone looking out for me. For a minute, I was like, do I immediately alert the the government? Do I call Joe Biden and say, hey, I was offered a bean. Will the government please come with me and like hold my whale hand while I go and hook up with a bunch of whales?
2: And they're like, oh my God, it's the most prolific Children's author to ever live, author of funny nuggets. We have to protect her.
0: Yeah, it's Barbara Mac and Spank. What was (laughs) the name?
2: (laughs) Mac and Snaps.
0: Mac and Snaps. Though Mac and Spank is a different genre.
2: That's for the whale.
0: Yeah. So if I'm going to like leave my family, my partner, my dog, all of that stuff, like I need to be rewarded very handsomely. I'm gonna say two hundred million dollars.
2: Wow. Would you do it for $199 million? Yes,
1: I would. Now the boat's taken on water.
2: <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> $199 million. Mm-hmm. All I know is I want your book about this experience, this traumatic experience of missing your family and screwing whales to be called blubbering.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. However, like whale erotica might be a fun part of this.
2: Do we get the money transferred into the account the day we take the bean or do we only get it if we like survive the year?
1: We've covered this on our show before. It's to each their own, how they want to negotiate the terms. Okay. Claire, if you were wondering, there is a mysterious benefactor behind all this. She's a very strange woman, but she has all the money. She'll negotiate it with you. Okay. You choose your terms.
0: I'm saying day of the bean, You can prorate if it's any less days, unless I die, in which case I, I get paid the full amount and it goes to my you know, the people in my will.
2: Okay.
1: Money, mummy's going to be sick at your terms.
2: Oh yeah. Money, money. I would do it for $6 million. And what I would do is I only am going to keep a million of it. And the other five is going to go to all the people in my life who you could think of me as like a soldier daddy going to war and being like, I'm doing it for you kids. So I would be like, Mom and dad, here's a million dollars. My sister, my brother, basically anyone who, if they died in the year that I was gone, or if I died in the year I was gone, would be most affected by it. And then they get the money up front. So it's kind of like, I'm covering it. I like that.
0: That's really nice. It's very
2: thoughtful. So it's like, I'm taking this risk because that's the main thing that would be terrible. I think missing important stuff in somebody else's life. So if I can pay the main people in my life and be like, this will really help you through <laughs> the rest of your life. That's really nice. But then I would think I'd really enjoy being a whale. So I don't have the Lindsay fear thing.
1: Is it inappropriate to say that at the beginning of this conversation, I thought
0: she'd make a good whale?
2: Thank you for saying that.
0: I love whales. No, I think that's actually a really nice compliment.
1: Let's see what the audience had to say. So the high of the poll listeners was $30 million. The low was 20000 Someone's ready to be a whale. of our listeners said no amount of money to do it. They just won't do it. 63% of the polled audience was over a million dollars. One person here put $100,000 and said, quote, only if I can guarantee being in a safe place when I turn back. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's real.
1: That's real. That's going to be a will intuition. (laughs) Here's one. A million dollars. And they said, quote, I don't know how many professions would accept, quote, turned into a well as an acceptable reason for a year long gap in my resume. <laughs> and who knows what being a well for a year will do to me.
0: Like, imagine you come back and you only want krill. And it's like, where do you even get krill? A shrimp krill? What do you do?
2: Yeah, I think you would be sad when you came back. Kind of like an astronaut coming back from space. You would just probably for the rest of your life serve long for the sea. But I feel like I already do long for the sea. So bring it on. The sea is longing for you as well. Thank you for telling me that.
0: Come to me. Yeah. That was Willy Wonka doing the ocean.
1: (laughs) I was reading Buzz Aldrin's autobiography recently, and he was talking about that one of the most psychologically difficult parts of returning to Earth from the early missions with NASA was that he craved krill.
0: You've made that up, and I know it.
1: I did. All right. Something I'm not making up. Claire, a really fun way we like to wrap up the show at the end is that we take the average toll of the audience to do each task, add them up compared to ours, and see how much our prices to do the three zany tasks today stack up against, in general, the average of our audience to do the same. Lindsay, you want to-
0: I want to mix snap this Barbara. I can never remember nice. her name, and I think I made it up. Okay, first, we're going to take a look at the audience average. So, the total for all of the polled listeners to do all three of the tasks today is $7.3 million. Okay.
1: That's way lower than usual. Wow. That was actually low for our show.
0: Then we have our first award, which is called the Lowly Liam Award. And that is awarded to anyone that comes in below the audience number. And that one, Goes to Claire mm. at $6.48 million for all three tasks. Oh, congrats. Then we have another award called the Highly Kylie, and that goes to anyone over the audience average. Aaron goes to you at $10.5 million. And it also goes to me yeah. $199 <laughs> million and $10,000. I really topped out the ocean, really. Threw me over the edge.
1: Claire, we haven't had a lowly Liam for a while. So it was really nice to see someone just really come in and be of the people, really grounded answers.
2: I think people are underestimating themselves in how much they want money and would do things. I think that's fair. Modern life is like, we're like, oh, you might die as a whale. I need to make my price really high. You're probably more likely to die as a human. And we take risks all the time and we pay to take those risks. I think there'd be a lot of whales.
1: People are people. People are people and people want to be
2: wills. For less money than they think.
1: Claire, it's been awesome having you on. Thanks for having me. When you're not pursuing the C, what can people find you doing and where can they find you doing it?
2: Well, they can find me doing live theater in the Chicagoland area, six nights a week at the Second City. And if you want to find me online, I'm basically on every platform at CZ McFadden. The Z stands for would be a whale happily. Amazing. (laughs) Well,
1: it was awesome having you on. Do you have a random ocean fact you'd like to leave us with as you sail out to the setting sun?
2: I just want to clear the name of orcas since Lindsay got afraid. There's like no orca human deaths on record except when they're in captivity. So, okay. Even if an orca swims under your kayak, they do hunt creatures bigger than us, but they really don't eat humans.
0: I like that fact. Thank you so much for that, because I was about to take my orca fear out into my everyday life as a human, a non-blue whale, and you really just saved me a lot of anxiety. So thank you so much. Okay, I'm glad.
1: (laughs) So much for the Patreon. We're about to launch to get our own show, Orca. Maybe that won't go over as well now. (laughs) Thanks, Claire.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Claire. Okay, don't you think it's really interesting, Erin, that the things I want to have sex with on the show so far are... Go for Gary, the Yeti, and a blue whale.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Surprising. Eh. <laughs> no, you are finding love in all the most unpredictable places, my friend. And I want that for you.
0: I've gone just beyond bisexuality and into something I don't quite know how to define.
1: We're going to define a whole new form of sexuality. It's also slightly prostitute because it's all for money. So I just don't know what to do with you.
0: Don't say tooty right now. Speaking
1: of tooting, I'm going to toot your way, everybody. We love you guys. You're the best. And we love how you guys love playing along. So if you want to keep on playing along and uh, tooting the polls, then check them out. New polls, 24-7 over at humanvaluespodcast.com. While you're there, help Rob be even lazier. Share your own What's Your Price questions. Again, over at humanvaluespodcast.com. Linz, toot it up.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode or if you just like the show we make, For God's sake, tell people about it. We really appreciate it. And if you mention Human Values Pod on Instagram or TikTok, or if you leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app, and oh, I don't know, leave a rating while you're there, we'll choose you for a shout out and you'll be so happy and you'll tell your mom about it. And then your mom will be proud of you and all your problems will be solved.
1: If I could solve any problem for you using... A goose and three handkerchiefs. What can I do for you, Lindsay?
0: You could make an outfit for a goose that looks like a beautiful wedding dress and then the goose can finally get married.
1: Oh, that's so good for the goose. Well, I can't promise much of that, but I can promise you we're at the credits. We're your hosts doing impressions of each other. I'm Lindsay Hicks.
0: Blah, 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 bloobly, (laughs) blorbly.
1: Oh my God, it's me. Special thanks to our guest this week, Claire McFadden.
0: Our lead producer is Rob Goldman. Our producers are Shanti Brooke and Aaron Rubin-Corney. Our editor is Andrew Sims. Our engineer is Jason Portizo. And our music is by Omer V.
1: All information, research, and advice shared on today's episode was expressed for entertainment purposes only. Statements provided by the Human Values hosts, production team, and guests should not be taken as professional advice or fact.
2: Blue Boo
0: blues is a bloomin' blonde blunt blah Blah,
1: blah, blah. <laughs>